Athletics Podcast with my co-host Tevin Pittman, myself Kyle Cogliatori, and we got a heck of a guest today, Cordell Young, a walking bucket. What's going on, man? <laughs> Not much. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Good to see you. I mean, after that highlight, I'm ready to lace them up. I'm ready to put some, <laughs> some tape on my ankles and take you out back. What's up? <laughs> you said one of these dudes on here plays for the, the Heat, right? Yes, uh, number 32. Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. And just in the, Ooh. isn't Duncan Robinson that was just in the uh, three-point contest for All-Star Weekend down in Chicago? Yes, sir. And who did he play for? Uh, Williams College for, I believe, just a year. That was his, This was his freshman year, and he transferred to Michigan after that. Oh, really? Yeah, played some Big Ten basketball. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, what was that like going up against somebody that then later goes to Big Ten basketball? Was it well known when he transferred in that, oh, we got to get up for this game now? Um, it was it was pretty tough. You know, at first we really didn't have that much of a scouting report on him. I know the game before that to get to the national championship, I think he put up about 30 points. So we knew he was a bucket. Uh, we knew he was capable of scoring the basketball. We didn't see him shoot many threes, which he's highly known for, but mm. – he, he can fill it up. Okay. Okay. But you can fill it up, too. Yeah, I, I got my ways. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you, you I, I, I actually was surprised. So, I didn't I didn't know. I mean, first time we met, we hooped. Marcus Alapate, shout out Marcus Alapate, brought you in to play with us. Yep. Tevin. I mean, Tevin's more of a fill-in. But right. Tevin came yeah. in to do a little something-something with his boy, Zach. But you came in there, and, and he goes, yo, that is right. I was like, your friend? <laughs> I, I, how am I supposed to know? And he goes, dude, that's a two-time national champ. He played for the G League with uh, the Dallas Mavs. I did. And he was he was telling me all that, like filling me in. Nick Van Exel was your coach, two-time national champ. And then I was like, you're kidding me. So then I actually got a little nervous because I remember I had to guard you quite a bit. And I'm like, he's going to break me. Yeah, which I mean, which, he wouldn't be the first. Which <laughs> thank you for leaving my ankles alone. I really appreciate that. But I thought you were going to put me in the hospital that day. No, those weren't my intentions. I was, uh, I was, just, I was out there just to get a good run in, you know, hit hit a couple jump shots, maybe hit some layups, you know. That was actually a pretty long court, so you know, I had to save some energy for the next following games. Yeah, we played for a minute that day. Yeah, certainly. we did play for a minute. So early in your career, you know, I couldn't find much about your high school career about Bradford. What was that like? Like, give me kind of the lowdown of how you came up in that situation playing there. I mean, basically all I could find was your college stuff. So uh, in, in high school, you know, that was my local school. I actually was going to go to a private school. Uh, okay. It didn't end up working out last minute, so I transferred into my local public school. Okay. And uh, going into that, my freshman year, I ended up playing on the freshman team. Had a bunch of my buddies that were, you know, we played together in middle school and all that. So we had a lot of camaraderie. And sophomore year, I ended up getting put on varsity. It was a oh, new varsity real coach. Jump. Yep. New varsity coach, so my freshman year, it was a, a long-term coach. I think he was there for about 25 years. So, uh, personally, I was looking forward to playing for him. It didn't end up being the case. And sophomore year, we got a new coach, new system. And from there, it just, you know, I tried to fill in. I was the only sophomore on the on the varsity team. So, pretty much played my role. I really wasn't breaking out of my shell just yet. I was kind of more comfortable in playing with some of the older guys, getting accustomed to the game speed, and just adjusting. The size of people and everything like yep. that? The size, speed, you know, it's it's a different game than freshmen. Yeah. We can we're, say that. We're, yeah, of course. You know, so. 
were a lot of the people haters? A lot of your your older upperclassmen? Not really, because they knew I I deserved to be there, and you know I was potentially better than them anyway. So okay. it was it was you know not really a, a you know a point where I didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. So it was like okay, he's good. We know he's gonna, only going to get better. So he he earned that spot. No kidding. And I, and I started, so I don't know. How the seniors, <laughs> I don't know how the seniors felt about that. So. Um, it was actually a couple of senior point guards, junior point guards that were behind me, but you know, got to get it done. And they showed love. They did. It was you very. It was humbling. You know, they didn't. You know, they weren't selfish about it. They were. You know, they're in practice pushing each other. So played their role. It was, it was a growing experience. Right on, right on. So then, what was the AAU experience like during um, that time? AAU experience. It was pretty. It was interesting. I, I didn't play for you know, the, the biggest known team in the state or okay. anything like that. So it was a, a local team, but we did go to some pretty high-sponsored tournaments where, you know, it was Nike, Adidas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, we got some exposure from a lot of colleges, and it was a good experience. I played with some good guys. Who do you remember playing against then? Um, got to run against Harrison Barnes, Doug McDermott, um, some pros. Shabazz Napier, okay. Ryan Boatwright, he played for UConn as well with Napier. Um, it's really all I can think of at the moment. Which ones you give buckets to? Ryan Boatwright. Wrecked him? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he had a small run with the Nets and uh, the Sixers. He's, he's a good player, but uh, I got the best of them that day. How many of them did you do that 360 windmill dunk on? Zero. Zero? Okay. You were you're keeping that? Saving that one? Yeah. And, and at what point doing during, like, the AAU circuit, high school, did you realize that I might be able to make it collegiately and then as well potentially make it to the pros or the G League as you did? So it was kind of about the junior year in high school, you know, that season along with that AAU season. I started to kind of develop as far as my body a little more. Like, I felt a little stronger. My legs got stronger. I started increasing my vertical year by year and mm. I really felt like I could you know really make a difference on a team you know at a collegiate level and then you know just grow year by year as well as playing pro so I was just taking a step by step trying to increase my game you know in different areas and just become a better basketball player all around so when you developed though when did you know that you were special when did you know that you were different I'd say junior year of high school. You know, I always felt like I had a different type of talent as far as my position. But junior year, I kind of I felt faster than a lot of my, you know, defenders that was guarding me. You know, I felt stronger than a lot of the point guards. You know, I felt like I could jump higher than majority of the players on the court. Yeah. And at that point, it was like if I can continue to do this and develop other parts of my game, I can be special. Well, the, the craziest thing when I go through and I look at what you did would you accomplish collegiately? Because, bro, you you led your school. You're, you're top ten in blocks, bro. They list you at six foot, but, I mean, you're not six foot. Depends what shoes you got on. Yeah, you got some, <laughs> some print shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're a point guard. Top ten in blocks in your school history, man. That's nuts. That's that's nuts. Um, just with my, my jumping ability, I felt like I had very good, you know, ball hawk abilities as, as well as timing. So a lot of guards, forwards, it doesn't even matter. So, you know, sometimes it'd be centers, it'd be, you know, weak side blocks, or, you know, I just give that LeBron stare down, chase down, you know, like <laughs> they think they would have an open layup and then, you know, just let them gather. And once they gather, they have to go up. 
that Tayshawn Prince. Yeah, and I just meet him at the backboard, and <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of highlights where I got some some pretty nice blocks. That's yeah, man. I, when I read all that, I was like, from playing with you, I knew you had bounce, but then when I started seeing the stats of what you actually did, and I'm not seeing point guards lead their team in blocks in games, no, man. Because you would think even at like a Division three level where there's got to be some seven footer that came through at some point in time over the course yeah. of the team's history where he's going to rack up more blocks than a point guard. Like, I'm sorry, this is, I'm, I'm calling out the whitewater <laughs> big men in their history. Somebody needs to step their game up. Dude, I, I, I think it's very, very impressive when I think about that, that, that athletic ability. And then on top of that, it wasn't like you were just an athlete out there. I mean, your career, your career, you shot 37 point something percent career wise, but I know your senior year, you were over 40% from three. So you had a jump shot, man. Um, it, it developed year by year. Uh, my freshman year, I wasn't that confident taking it. I was just taking the open ones, and I feel like sophomore year, I became more of a focal point. Junior year, it was more of a you know leader leader role, and it was re- I had a really sharp shot selection. So I know on one of the videos, it showed I had about fifty eight percent field goal percentage my senior yeah. year, and that's because I don't I don't really take bad shots. You know, I like yeah. to find the best shot we can get as far as not myself, but for my team. And, you know, I got to the basket a lot, and I took the, the right shot. Oh, yeah. So my percentages were high because I always took good shots. You know, ill-advised shots, you know, they're going to lower your percentage. Oh, yeah. So in a, in a conference where you need every win, it's it's tough. You're giving away possessions if you're just jacking up bad shots. No kidding. No kidding. That's that's incredible. When I, when I went back to look at all that, it, it blew my mind. So – my next question then is, is what brought you to Whitewater? I mean, you had this talent. What made you go D3? What made you pick that? What was the recruiting process for you like? So about junior year, all of my senior year, um, the coaching staff, one of the assistant coaches, he actually ended up getting a head coaching position at another school. He was recruiting me hard along with the head coach. And, you know, I went on a visit. I went to go take a look at the team, watched a game. You know, the the school was only about an hour away from where I live, so my family was really a, a top priority in that. I wanted them yeah. to be able to, you know, travel and come see the games without having to travel far. Okay. So I just kind of fell in love with the, the team, the coach. The coach was super honest with me, you know, saying, you know, you're not necessarily going to start right away, but you're going to get some minutes. We could, yeah. we could use you at our school, and, you know, I listened to him. He was probably the most genuine coach that I spoke with. Okay. So after that, I just kind of fell in love with the, the culture. Okay. And after that, I I committed on my birthday, on my senior year, and I was looking forward to going there. So what made you, like who is who is selling candy in your ear? Who is who is really telling you sweet things? I mean, as far as D three, like a lot of the D three schools, there were some D two schools. Um, actually had an offer from Southwest Minnesota State. Oh really? But, um, I'm southeastern Wisconsin kid, so that yeah. was eight hours from where <laughs> I lived, and I'm not sure if you guys have been to that campus. My brother actually is a quarterback yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, when I went to visit, I, I saw nothing but land, and they had one gas station and maybe Wind. two restaurants. And all the women look like the men. <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't appealing. I was like, I'll take the student loan debt rather than be eight hours from home in the boonies. No shit. Okay, yeah, it, it's windy out there, man. Like, it, it's cold and windy. I A lot of people I know actually went there, and it's cool if you're really into hunting and you're about that country life. That was never really me. Me neither. So I get that. But they actually have a really good basketball program. They can hoop. 
I don't know if they did at the time that they were recruiting me. I oh, think, really? I think they were on the bottom half of the conference at the time. And, okay. And, you know, ended up going to one of their, like, elite camps when they were scouting me, recruiting me. And, you know, they ended up offering me after the fact of the camp because I, I performed well. We got to play against the college guys that were on the team, and they weren't. You murked them? I wouldn't say I, I murked them, but I, I held my own. Yeah. As a, you know, senior in high school, playing against, you know, seniors in college. So it's, like, yeah. a different level of physicality. You know, different level of IQ. So, oh yeah. So it was it was competitive, but just not a place I saw myself for the long term. Not even a year. <laughs> <laughs> not even longer than a visit. <laughs> so, you know, that's funny. Uh, a lot of people don't take it that way. A lot of people wouldn't say, "Hey, I'll take the debt." They would take the free school. So I, that, I commend you for that. That's badass. It was more than just you know uh, education and basketball. It was more you know beyond. That you know, you got to live a lifestyle out there. You know? Yeah, you're gonna be spend right. time there. It's like you have to have something to do, people to do it with, and yeah. potentially places to go if you you know want to have a social life. And it's yeah, you know, I really didn't see myself having any of the above there, so I chose to decline. Yeah, and I'll say too that on top of that, like like you said, you are living there, and if you're miserable off the court, that's gonna potentially affect how you're playing and preparing for your games and hinder your performance on the court as well. So, yeah, it's a total package. Certainly. Oh, for sure, for sure. We're not – you know, some of the things that I wanted to think about, touching on what you're saying, that lifestyle, what made you love the lifestyle at Whitewater? Was it just because you were close to home? What was it like adjusting to that? Was it that – was it even much of an adjustment? It wasn't that much of an adjustment. Uh, I mean, being away from home, like, that wasn't a problem, like, depending on how far you are. Like, I, I was fine with that wherever I went just because, you know, I'm – to myself as it is so I was fine with being away but one you're not too far away two it's it's kind of a similar lifestyle to where I was at home like okay you know they have places to go they have places to multiple places to eat you know you can decide what you want to do you can go do something off campus fun you can do something on campus fun you know it doesn't matter it's just like the people is really what made the, the atmosphere what it was so when you when you went from there to finishing your career at Whitewater. Then you get drafted in the G League. Nick Van Exel's your coach. He's a hometown guy as well. He's from the same city. No uh, kidding. The private school that I was mentioning in the intro, that was the school he went to. I did not know that. Yeah. So he's a Wisconsin boy. Yeah. I never knew that. Same city. So what was that like? I mean, it's got to be surreal, too, because Nick Van Exel was not, you know, he wasn't a punk, bro. He was a real hooper. He was legit. Nick is a stand-up guy. He's, he's legit. Like, I remember I was a, I want to say a junior in college, and he was a, he was either assistant coach or a player development coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, I, I got some ties with him. I, you know, we, we talk on occasion, and he ended up inviting me, my dad, over to, you know, watch some games and, you know, eat some wings. And, you know, we went over to his place in Milwaukee and just kicked it for the day. Okay. I mean, he's down-to-earth guy, man. He's just like everyone else. He's a baller. You ever asked him about them socks? I didn't. Yeah? I never asked him about socks. that. <laughs> he's had the, the high socks, and he used to shoot from, like, the top of the arc at his free throws. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was interesting, man. He was a fun guy to watch. Yeah. You never knew it was going to come. Him and VC would always rock those socks. Um, Well, back to college, man. When we're going through the D3 legend, all the stats that you are, I mean... First team all American. We could be here for hours, actually, if I really start listing all your accomplishments. We first got, team we, all American, first team NABC, <laughs> Reese's All Star Game. That's where you met Marcus, right? It is. Yeah. Player of the Year, 
all defensive team, male sportsman of the year award. So you weren't even a dick. You're actually a nice guy. <laughs> actually, like, hey, nice to see you. Yeah. How's it going? Then on top of that, school history, number two in assists, number five in steals, number nine in scoring, number 10 in blocks. Career shot at 37.6% from behind the arc, and it was 409 from behind the arc your senior year. A thousand point score. I mean, what to you? I mean, I, I know you're gonna tell me you're natty champs. You're two natty champs. But what what beyond that, like on a personal level, do you feel like was your greatest accomplishment while you were there? The natty champs. I, you can't do I'm that. Kidding, I'm you kidding. I'm kidding. I know you just said that. <laughs> um, just being able to develop, you know, as a player, as a person, you know, on and off the court, you know, being able to be coached by, you know, a great coach who's won a national championship himself as a player. Okay. You know, just being able to, you know, be coached, you know, be a coachable type of guy. And it's, I learned so much year by year just being in the system. So, you know, he taught me, you know, the right reads, what to look for. You know, shot selection was always one of my things. Like, I never wanted to just jack up shots just to jack up shots because I had the freedom to do it. Yeah. But playing basketball the right way. Oh, that was what I was taught from him, and that's something I, I carry on with me today. I probably should have gotten a U-Dub or Whitewater. I, I didn't learn that. <laughs> I just shoot them. You would have left with a ring. <laughs> <laughs> I could have used one of those. One or two for sure. Um, we were just trying to catch up with football, that's all. I was going to say, that's a football powerhouse every oh, yeah. year. The other thing that I, that, that I really noticed that was um, crazy to me, you know, a lot of people have great careers – and have great accomplishments for doing things, especially as a team player. But not everybody has that that X factor to them, that, that last second I'm going to get the game-winning bucket. And that was a normal thing for you. Like, I'm not just saying, like, you hit one or two. Bro, it seemed like every game I read about, you were getting the final shot and you were making it. And then on top of that, you might get the block at the end of the game to stop <laughs> it, like, like to really end it. So, I mean, it, it was just weird reading the highlights. Uh, so junior year, I had a couple game winners, obviously, including the, the national championship one. I know I had a few in the season as well. Uh, there was actually like a week where I had back-to-back game winners. I read that. Yeah, and it was it was just kind of one. I mean, I kind of wish we weren't in the position to depend on those abilities. You know, yeah. I'd rather get the game out the way and, you know, win by 20 and not have to worry about that. But you know, it's just something I've always kind of had. Like I, I always wanted the last shot. You, you know, got I, it. <laughs> I've made, I've made a lot. I've missed a few, and it's like, you know, if anyone's gonna carry the pressure, you know, let it be your leader. Let it be your point guard. You know, no kidding. I, I'm down to do it, and it's like a lot of the matchups that I had. Like I was willing to take advantage of it. Like, I wanted to. Like, you know, obviously the coach drew up plays for me at the end because he believed in me. And you made the shot. You know, the funniest one that I saw was, uh, Gabe. Can you pull up that? Uh, that highlight of the the eight That's second one, I think it's the very first one. At uh twenty, yeah, is it this one right here? Yep. So this was against Lacrosse, and I think they scored on that end before this. We were down one, I believe. You know, I got the ball. It was a set play, and you know, I got. You a, came down and threw it to four, and then yep. four hit it right, hit you right back. Yep. I gave it to him. Went in, popped back out. He gave it to me, and I mean, the kid was like five eight. Five eight. One. Oh, yeah. He wasn't ready. So he wasn't like, ready. I'm like, he's not ready I'm for this. I can already see it on his face, bro. Like, he's all red in the face. See, he's done. Once you pass the ball, he's like, okay, good. Thank God he ain't going to get this bucket on me. <laughs> and then it came back. He's like, oh. Yeah. So it was, and my mind's made up. Once I 
you know, get in that situation with, you know, less than 10 seconds left, it's like, what are you going to do? And it's right. to the bucket. Hit you play know, on just, that one, Gabe. All right. Here. Yeah, he wasn't ready at all. Dude, he no. just followed you. I can't believe you made it over them, though. That's that scary. I don't know how you do it. You got that scary bounce, that, that freaky, nobody expects it bounce. Afterwards, I'm I'm thinking, you know, it's win or lose situation. You know, if I miss this, you know, more the chances are we're we're at a higher rate of losing. If I make this, we're at a higher chance of winning, and it's it's that pressure I like to put on myself in those situations, like because you're down one in that situation right there. Yep. Yeah. So that's literally everything's on the line, and yeah, so those are the moments too where, as a little kid, you're out in your driveway shooting best counting yourself down three two one throwing it <laughs> yep. up like everybody wanted that moment and that's yeah you to be able to live that in, in a national championship game nonetheless like it's crazy and the socks in the dirty clothes the basket <laughs> yep. rolling them up three two one nothing like it Gabe, will you pull up the other one against uh the national championship one um right here this one's the one that impressed me and i actually laughed bro because after you make it you try to miss the free throw you make the free throw. So I'll tell you a story that no one probably knows. On that on that free throw, I had some weird illusion in my mind, like, okay, I'm gonna miss the free throw short. I'm gonna get the rebound back, then I'm just gonna go up and dunk. <laughs> <laughs> some T Max stuff. <laughs> like I, I wanted the rebound to come right back to me, and I was gonna catch it like t- go off of two legs and just go up and two hand dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't and happen that way. No, he just makes set. a free throw. <laughs> Press play on that one game. This one's interesting, man. Yeah. You didn't even care. You were ready. I just want to know about that celebration. What's up with that? Was that some some like uh some WWE stuff you were doing there? That's some in the moment stuff. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's like we just we just put another ring on our finger. <laughs> we ain't getting married. Dude. That was a Come kid. down, help defense. This, then this is the second national championship. So this is your junior year, right? Yep. And they just—they thought they just won the game. Oh yeah, shit, we all did. <laughs> and now this is at the this funniest point, part to me. With point nine seconds left, you thought to myself, to yourself, "Hey, I'ma miss this short, grab it, and dunk it." Because it was point nine, so more than likely, if I would have got the rebound, the clock would expire, and I was just gonna go dunk it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't look like you were running up to go dunk no. it. Because I, I knew it, was, it wasn't flat enough. Okay, uh, right when you let it go? When I left my hand, I'm like, it's over the rim. Like, it wasn't what I expected, but it's probably going to either miss long or it's going to rattle in. That, that was a funny one, though. I, I literally thought you were trying to miss that on purpose to drain the time. And, I'm, and then I was like, with your reaction, I'm like, damn, he's bummed he missed that. Or made that. I'll take the point. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay. And then the... Uh, the other crazy ones I was thinking here. So you had the the one point five on Eau Claire. Then your freshman year, dude, you shot five for six with ten points as a freshman in the national championship for your first one that you made. Yep. Or that you won. So what was that like as a freshman coming into that situation? Because I know you said at the beginning you weren't starting. But so were you by then or no? I want to say maybe the first four to five games I started of the season. I ended up pulling my hamstring, so I was out for a game or two, and it took me a while to really get back to, you know, feeling comfortable going at 100%. So 
you know, throughout the middle of the season, I was still, you know, kind of nurturing that hamstring. Okay. And about tournament time was when I started feeling confident again in my body. Okay. So once we got to tournament time, literally we beat everyone by double digits in the tournament. Okay. I believe the closest game was like 11 or 12 points. Um, defending national championship, not, yeah, defending national champions, St. Thomas, we ended up beating them by 30. Uh, <laughs> I think the second round. Oh, first man. First round, second Damn. round. Sorry. It's my Thomas. guys, too. I'm hurt. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. <laughs> so what was that like? Who are, who are you start? Who are you playing against? Who are the guys you remember on that team? Um, so we had Alex Merg was a, another point guard. Eric Bryson, Cody Odegaard was our, our twos. Uh, Alex Edmonds, he was one of our forwards. Luke Noble, another forward. Chris Davis, he was actually the national player of the year that year. First team All American, so he was pretty much our our guy. What was he? He was everything was through him. So he was our center. He was about six eight, probably about two seventy. Literally, Damn. literally could step out from. Sounds like an NFL player. Yeah, literally could step out to NBA range and shoot the three, could shoot from anywhere on the floor, and he had the body to post anybody up. No kidding. Physically gifted, and he could shoot the ball. So No kidding. We we played through him, and he he got it done, and we filled the the gaps, and, you know, we rode rode the coattail. Was he he a big boy that could run at all, or was he kind of slow? Running? uh, I mean, he could run when he wanted to. Okay. He was one of those guys, like... uh, Once he got going, it was a freight train. I don't need to run, like... You know, what I'm doing now, they can't stop this, so why do I need to do anything else? So I understood. Like, I didn't try to do anything outside of my position, my role, and, you know, we got him the ball, he got his shots, and he he connected. He was efficient. So what was that like being in that moment, though, that young, that quick? Did you expect that when you got there? Like, was that something you really thought, like, hey, you know, yeah, our goal is to go get a national championship, but did you believe that that was going to happen? So it's weird because that summer after my senior year, um, I ended up going to Whitewater in the summer and, and working a summer job. And I lived with one of the forwards, Alex Edmonds. And he was just talking about the team like, yeah, we're good. You know, we we just missed the tournament this year, but we should be pretty good next year. And, you know, as a incoming freshman, you don't know what pretty good is going to mean. Like, you don't yeah. know the players. You, you don't have that chemistry yet. And it was like, okay, like, I really don't know what I'm coming into, but I know we yeah. got a, a decent group of guys that can compete. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, I think we can you know, make a tournament run. So I really believe that coming into it because I knew the group of guys that we had. Yeah. Going into the season, you know, we start the season 8-0. I'm like, wow, we really have something special going here. And going into the tournament, I believe we were, I think we lost maybe three to four games. Okay. Going into the tournament. So I'm like, okay, we have a nice group and a nice core. You know, we got our rotations down. We got our defensive principles locked in. Like, we know how each other's going to react on certain plays. Like, there's no egos. Like, we have a, a really good group. Yeah. And first game of the tournament, we went by 30. Second game of the tournament, went by 30. Third game of the tournament, went by, like, 20. And the like, second one was against the previous national champs. Yeah. Then you really got to feel like, yeah, because like we're doing it. You don't know what to expect. Like you, you can see the. I think the that film. team was pretty similar to what it was the year before too. Yeah. Like you don't know what to expect when you see the film. Like it's different watching film and then actually being out there with the guys. Like because okay. the competition that the film is going against, you don't know what how good they are. Yeah. So it's like you're watching film. Like oh, this guy can get buckets, but I was the defender that was guarding him. Yeah. So we're looking at film like okay, these guys can fill it up from you know same positions that we can fill it up. Okay. Now how's the defense? 
So, you know, we did the film, did the scouting, and we locked in. You know, it just, it was one of those games where we got on them early and we stayed on them. For you, did it, I mean, dude, I know you could have played D1. If you want to play D1, you could have played D1. Do you sometimes get that, that, did you have that itch like, man, I, I really wonder what I could have done at that level? Or do you even care? Sometimes I, I play the what if game. Uh, I know I had some small interests at some D1 schools, uh, nothing serious. So I really didn't take it too serious at that point. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, nowadays you can go junior college and find mm-hmm. someone division one. It was like, do I really want to go into a dog eat dog situation where everyone's trying to get their own stuff? And it was like a mentality thing for me. Like I can go somewhere four years and just develop as a player, grow, and kind of be close to home. I mean, in, in essence, you you got to where you really wanted to go in the first place. Bro, you played pro ball. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you really did. So, it, it it goes to show that the cream always rises to the top no matter what. Right. If you don't make dumb decisions. So, let me rephrase that to any kids. If, if you do smart things and you're very good, good things will happen to you. But if you're an idiot, you'll still keep slipping up. So, it doesn't matter how good you are. Eventually, you know, you... You make your bed. You got to lie in it. It is what it is. But, I mean, you you made, you had a good head on your shoulders. You did the right things, and you still got to where you wanted to go, even though you took a different route. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's certainly what I did. Um, cream rises to the top, as you said. But, you know, if you're good, they're going to find you. You know, yeah. I have a buddy that played at Whitewater. He's playing receiver for the Packers now, Jake Kumaro. That's like, crazy. Like, it's <laughs> – you know, if you're good, they're going to they're gonna find you. You're going to find your opportunity, you know, just stay, you know, composed and you know, it'll come okay okay and you so you talked about kind of the differences in athleticism going from like d3 d2 d1 so when you jump from playing division three at whitewater to the g league what what is that transition like and was it do you go to like combines and stuff to get drafted you know you said you got drafted into the g league is there a separate draft for just the g league compared to the nba draft yes so it's a complete separate draft um Pretty much the process was I didn't have to do this at first. Uh, I was getting looked at from a different couple organizations, but um, Van Exel hit me up. He wanted me to come out there and work out pretty much. So it was like mm. a, it was somewhat like of a, not really a tryout, but it was a kind of open runs. Yeah. So they had some guys that they were looking at to possibly invite and draft, come out and play. I ended up going out to Dallas for you know, a weekend and ended up playing with some of the guys that, they were looking at drafting and recruiting and some other guys that just was were there end up having a good weekend and they ended up you know talking to the GMs and they wanted me to to come play for them so what was that route though past the G League what i mean i know you got a girl i know you're very serious about your girl what what made you not go and play overseas you just didn't want to be away from home like that or so, at the time that I was um, playing in the G League, I didn't have the greatest agent. So, okay. when I got drafted into the, the G League, I had a an agent that really wasn't in my best interest. Oh, so okay. I'm sorry got, to hear that, man. I got drafted then. You know, they were doing a lot of talking. And after the fact that I wanted to cut ties with him, pretty much I was in search of a new, new agent. And it's hard to get overseas without one. Yeah. You know, at least for a lucrative amount of money that, you know, you to go that would make it worthwhile and just kind of fell out of the loop after that and it wasn't that I didn't want to go over there or you know any potential reason but it was more so just the the person backing me you know 
Okay. I wanted to find mm-hmm. someone that was going to be in my best interest. And at the time, I didn't find that person. So I just kind of backed away from it. Okay. Well, I think you made the right move, man. I mean, I feel bad that you're stuck in Minnesota with this cold, but <laughs> I think you got a you you got a solid foundation going on, and I think that's more important. Um, I think a lot of people get lost in the idea of doing stuff and not realizing what it really entails. Um, I hear a lot of I don't say horror stories about my buddies that do play overseas, but you know, a lot of them don't like it. Like they like to play basketball, they like to be paid to play basketball and travel the world, but a lot of the time they're not ending up in places that they actually like to be. You know, it's not a cool spot. You don't know anybody. And you're just basically sitting there binge-watching Netflix or, or playing video games. And that's all you do. And then you're sitting there having FOMO of all your friends that are back home doing things that you think you're missing out on. So, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a very tricky, tricky thing. And I, I feel like the experience you got to have in the G League is a very cool experience that a lot of people don't get to have because you got to enjoy professional ball in the states man that's super small percentage of people yeah that was the dream uh you know being able to stay in the states and play and it's you know playing overseas yeah you get to experience different lifestyle different culture different languages different foods and you know if it's if it's worth it you know as far Mm -hmm. as you know monetary go do it if it's not I, i would say you know maybe find a location that would make it worthwhile or pursue in the states so you uh, talked earlier about kind of having the wrong agent. What was the agent process like of trying to figure out what agent to go with? And if you're looking back, well, what kind of advice would you have given yourself when selecting an agent? So I kind of fell into, you know, them telling me, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, they kind of silver spooned me. You know, mm-hmm. they were, It was the first agency I actually spoke with, and I should have just took my time with it. And really, you know, weighed out my options because if that were the case, I'd probably still be playing at this moment. And when I signed with them, they were like, yeah, you know, we got this team. I actually had interest without an agent. You know, I had the Boston Celtics in my email. I had, you know, the Pelicans. I had the Mavs, a couple other organizations. And that was without an agent. So I signed with them. And then all of a sudden they're, they're taking care of all the paperwork stuff and making sure that side is taken care of. So, you know, it was fine at that point, but some advice I would tell myself now is to just take your time, weigh out your options. Cause when I signed with the, when I got drafted to the legends, I had a couple different agents reach out to me, you know, via email, Facebook, whatever. And Mm -hmm. they were much more lucrative than the the agent I signed with. You know, they were they had an MBA clients at the moment and the agency I signed with was like a new and upcoming agency. So they really didn't have any basketball so who, clients. Why'd they win you over? I don't know. It sounded good at the time. Uh one of the, the partners was someone who was actually involved with the the Whitewater organization. He actually played played there as well. I believe he won a national championship also. So okay. I was like, Okay, you know, maybe I'll stick with some ties and just, you know, kinda help and that kinda them help me. Yeah. You know, so I kind of fell into that and, you know, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll work with you guys. Let's see what we can do here. And then after the fact, they were like, you know, we're looking at teams. This is the list of teams that are you know, interested and we're going to try to do something. Nothing ever happened. Communication started getting really slim, stopped hearing from them. And then I just decided to, you know, fire them and move in a different direction. No kidding. Yep. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. that that's weird because Whitewater took care of you for so long and 
get burned like that at the end. Yeah, it's it's business, you know. It, it happens, unfortunately. You know, you got to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, okay. you know, yeah. everything's a life life experience. Because essentially when, with picking an agent, too, that's they're just, essentially it's just like college where you're get, being recruited by the, the agency now instead of yep. the university, right? That exactly. And it's like, you know, I had some couple agents that were, you know, majority of their clients, they have clients still playing in the NBA and they're still growing as an agency and, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, okay. So we'll, we'll go there. You know, keeping it up with advice, what what would you give advice to kids? Say say you had a little boy right now who, who you know, is a sad RIP Kobe and Gigi, but mm-hmm. I think her last couple of years she really fell in love with the game and before that she wasn't really into it and then it clicked and Kobe got to you know, kind of put her on and teach her that side of it. What would you be doing if you had a kid right now who is coming up in the same experiences that you already did? What would you be giving as advice? What would you tell them they need to be doing? Early on, focus on the fundamentals. You know, it's a, a lot of kids that, you know, we see how the game's evolved at this point, and it's like everyone wants to be Curry. Everyone wants to be a dead-eye sharpshooter. Like, one, you know, work on footwork, work on pivots, work on the small things first, and then work your way out to being a shooter. You know, a lot of people are one-dimensional nowadays. They can just yeah. do one thing well. It's like if you can do everything balanced, it'll make you more of a versatile player rather oh, yeah. than, oh, I just want to get on the court and start shooting threes right away. Yeah. Like, that's not what people are looking for in, you know, in a ball club. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, work on the small things, you know, work on ball handling, work on, you know, pivots, post moves, work on everything, you know, be balanced rather than just, oh, if I take away your three-point shot, you can't do anything else. You're not effective. So just work on everything, you know, have a strong IQ for the game, learn the game, watch the game, you know, just be a student, stay a student. What would you recommend on that recruiting front for it all? Like, Like from your experiences from that, going from recruiting to going to college to then even the agent stuff. I mean, you already said that you, you take your time. Yeah. With the agents, but I mean, when when you got a kid who's, you know, ninth grade, tenth grade, people can get slept on, and and, and some people get hurt, and it, it, their name carries them. You know, uh, I got a buddy Dawson Garcia who's going to Marquette, um, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> that one hurt, man. That one hurt. But I mean, you love him out there. He, we talked to him a lot about. You know, the, the type of things that he's going through, and he says it, it's hard because there's so many people coming into his life that mm-hmm. he doesn't know who's around. Him and his dad are pretty close with it all and, and keeping him, you know, on track for doing the right thing and staying level-headed. What was it like for you? What would you recommend to people going through that situation in today's life? Um, know, know who's genuine, you know? Like, for example, my agency situation, I don't think they were really genuine. They just wanted to, you know, make money off of me. Yeah. They wanted to get a piece of the the contract. Yeah. You know, that's not really genuine. They they want something from you without having your best interest, and and to stay level headed. You know, it's it's a business. You know, whether it's still an education, it's still a business. You know, they're paying you to do something. You know, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's obviously on scholarship. So yeah. make sure you're you know taking care of your business. You know, as far as school, and then you know staying locked into what you're doing. You know? I I know I know Q's favorite player is Brandon Jennings. <laughs> so so just because you you say that, did, did you see the picture I sent to you with me and Brandon Jennings? I didn't get to go through him. I I put him on his computer there to get him all put up there. With me, I'm and pulling Brandon it up on Jennings. my phone right now because 
I that's actually hilarious. There the first a, time I seen him play, I'm like, damn, you kind of play like Brandon. There was an event in Kenosha. Um, he was actually in town, and I was one of the. Yeah, I, think I was get, I was getting something recognized for something. He was there, and we we got a photo. Dude, Brand, I, I'll say this: he could, he could score. He's a bucket. Yeah. He, Since it's not Brandon Jennings, who does inspire you? So um, we have to say Kobe. Kobe. It's it's hard not to do anything basketball related without paying respects to the ones before, mm-hmm. and it's like we all noticed the work ethic. We we saw the the championships, the All Star games, all the accolades, you know, and everything he was doing post basketball. It's just like he's an inspiration to everyone, whether you play the sport or not. Yeah. So I mean, Kobe and Michael Jordan for sure. Just definition of a champion. Okay. Was it was it small fro Kobe or was it ball Kobe? Was it eight or twenty four? Was it both? So I'm gonna have to go with the bald Kobe just because bald. when he had the fro, he was putting my Spurs out every year. <laughs> yeah, him and Shaq when they had the man. It was disappointing to make it to the, you know, second or third round and then get put out by them. Yeah. You know, they're just, they were a dynamic force. Couldn't beat them. They were fun Seven to watch. Seven games? No. Can't beat them. <laughs> they were fun to watch. And, I mean, that when you think about that team that the Spurs had, too, they were tough. I mean, they had the bodies to guard Shaq. I mean, it's David and David Tim. Robinson and Tim Duncan. The Admiral. And this Ridiculous. Is, I actually just read an article about Kevin Garnett talking about Tim Duncan. And uh, he said the hardest people to talk trash to, and he said Tim Duncan was one of them because Tim Duncan didn't really talk trash, but he kind of did. And he was like, every time I take a shot or something, he'd be like, nope, not today. <laughs> Good try. And he was like, I can't even do this with this right. guy. He's not and like, like – You're going to cuss out Tim Duncan? Like he said he one tried. One of the nicest-looking people on the court. Like yeah. He never made anybody mad, and now you're going to – but can't dress. No, can't, no, can't dress. Can't dress. Oh, oh Lord, that's your guy. What's going on with Tim? I got nothing to do with his wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I said, were you a trash talker on the court? <laughs> Not really, unless it's spoken to. You know, it's then like you get going? I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty quiet. You know, I just I just like to play out there. And then um, there was actually a, a situation maybe a week ago. I was playing ball and I had a trash talker just come up, <laughs> start saying some stuff. And I'm I'm like, why are you talking? Like we're putting you off on multiple occasions. You talking like, about me? No, no. Oh, okay, God. No, no, no. I thought he was for a second. No. <laughs> well, I didn't play with you last week. That's what I was thinking. I was like, God, it wasn't last week. But, yeah, it was just, you know, he he was, he was losing. You know, we were scoring maybe the same amount of points. It wasn't like I was just demolishing them or anything. Mm-hmm. But we were winning. You know, I was, yeah. I was a, a focal point on our team, and, you know, I was guarding him, and he wasn't really scoring. And he's like, do you want to play for money? You like, like put it up. It got personal like, where he wanted to play for money, where he would have lost the money anyways. But so you didn't do it. You just say lay some up. Man, we play. We won the whole day. I was playing. <laughs> that was my ninth game. Like, he wants to play for money after his second game. Oh no 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 no! You're not gonna catch me on a bad day. <laughs> we, can, we can play fresh. <laughs>